Welcome to the Focus on Customer Service podcast, presented by Social Media Today, where we talk to brands you know and love who are laser-focused on using social media to deliver amazing customer experiences. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dan Gingas and Dan Moriarty. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of the Focus on Customer Service podcast. This is Dan Gingas, and as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Dan Moriarty. And we want to start tonight with an apology because we had this guest on about two months ago, and it was the first time that we recorded an entire podcast, and our software blew up on us, and we lost the whole thing. And I can tell you, it was awesome. So that's okay. Fate has intervened, and that has allowed us to make an even more awesome episode, which we're going to do today, right now. And I want to introduce Davey Kestens, who is the founder and CEO of Spark Central. How are you, Davey? Hello, guys. Doing well. How about yourself? Doing very well. And we humbly appreciate that uh, you are coming on the podcast for what amounts to the second time. Well, hopefully we don't need a third this time. <laughs> so for those uh, in the audience uh, who may not be familiar with Spark Central, and I imagine that would be few, but just in case, we give us a little bit about a background of uh, Spark Central and also a little bit about you. So Spark Central is about four and a half years old now. Originally started when Twitter customer service was just uh, becoming a thing. I'm Belgian and I was originally staying in Belgium around that time and I personally had a different project going on around that same time. It was another startup. And uh, as a lot of people on their company know, maybe not that many outside of it, I'm a horrible engineer. I managed to build stuff and put it together, but don't expect it to scale or actually work for more than five users. But basically, because of my amazing engineering skills, my project that I did before Spark Central had a few bugs and issues, and one of which was that its few thousands of users were apparently paid out improperly in the profit-sharing model that was built into that project. And one of our main users and, and customers at the same time wrote a lengthy article about that previous startup about how we were the devil reincarnated online which got a few nice hits on the internet back then and a lot of people started talking about us on twitter and around that time what you had was maybe co-tweet tweet deck and a few maybe hootsuite that was around but a lot of marketing focused are just general like social media management in the early days focused solutions and not really anything around customer care and really tracking like which people are responding to which customer, what have we talked about, can we prevent multiple people or agents' response to the same customer and maybe contradict each other. Uh, so back then around the time there weren't any true scalable solutions available to manage a group of people responding to customer complaints and feedback on Twitter specifically. So I'd like to say that Spark Central started with a grandiose vision in mind, but to be honest, quite often when companies say that, it's a great vision that marketing came up with five years down the road. <laughs> so for us, it really came from humble beginnings as we have a problem online on social media, Twitter specifically, people are talking about us, about us to us, uh, asking customer care questions, and we can't really manage it properly at scale. We can't give every person the login to our root Twitter account. We want to make sure that we can control what they're saying, that we can track who did what, and that just wasn't available around that time. So back in Belgium, I built a prototype to manage that. And rather quickly, we got quite some interest uh, in the product. Back then, I, was, I had just turned 23, actually. 
and our first customer out there turned out to be, become Volkswagen. And of course, when you're a 22, just turning 23-year-old kid and your first customer is Volkswagen, that kind of got people interested and in looking at what we were doing. Also, another Belgian who was living in Silicon Valley was really interested in Spark Central. The first prototype heard about its success and basically asked me to come out to Silicon Valley, which I did out of the blue. And three, four months later, we ended up raising our first seed round of funding and actually start building a company around this concept of social media customer care. Now we're a close to a hundred person company with a headquarter in San Francisco. We have another office in Belgium, which is where I'm from, which we had our first engineers and are looking at the APEC region right now. Uh, hopefully we can set something up over there in the next six months. We work with a ton of large enterprise customers that we enable to optimize their customer service experience and customer engagement workflows over social media and mobile messaging channels. And I think the first vertical that we really launched in or still rather quite famous about is the airline industry, which for obvious reason was one of the first companies to really feel the head of uh, social and mobile care in general. So that's kind of what we've been up to. Awesome. So David, I'd like to dive into that moment where so you're running one company, you're getting slammed on Twitter, you build a product. At which point did you realize that the, the social care product was actually a more viable company than the company you're currently running? Was it like a lightning bolt or was it like a slow realization? I think it was a realization over a period of two weeks where the previous company that I had was very labor intensive and I was trying to figure out like what, what kind of business can I create that adds value but is also scalable and can solve problems for a lot of people. And when I started looking into the use case, primarily of solving my own problems for that project to reduce the amount of work that we had to do, I actually started looking around at what other brands were doing. And a lot of companies were having the same mistakes. If you look back at that time period when social care was just getting started, so many brands out there were making a ton of mistakes. Yet not a week would go by and there was some article bashing some company about them having a, creating a really weird experience on social or saying the wrong things or posting the wrong photos. And it became rather obvious that there wasn't really any level of oversight or compliance or control within those organizations on how to handle social, uh, especially given it was run by the, the marketing department from day one who are just trying stuff out, quite often putting junior interns on just handling or fixing, quote unquote, the social problem. And uh, when I saw that and, and I saw that within a matter of days, we got big brands like Volkswagen reaching out and being really interested about managing this more properly, I thought that this would be a lot more exciting and a bigger opportunity that, that could roll out globally and, and like solve a lot of upcoming issues. So what, what was it? So you were, you were 20, 22 going on 23 and suddenly you get an email from Volkswagen saying they're interested in your product. How did, how did you feel when <laughs> that happened? I think at the very beginning you meet such experience with a sense of disbelief and of course, then the first 60 minutes pass by and you realize like, holy crap, uh, I have an actual thing on my hands here. And then you try to, when you're like a one man show at that time, you try to do everything you can to not come across like a one man show, <laughs> which failed miserably, of course, because when you don't even have the clue what an RFP means, or you don't even have an, a corporation to kind of build them or to send them a proposal, or you use like a, a the typical word template to create a proposal. It was a really interesting time. But then again, the market in the space was so new that anything was better than nothing. And then that has kind of enabled 
a young new startup like like this one uh, back then to to thrive. Can you remember so when you actually started speaking to Volkswagen, what your pitch to them was like? Uh, I think I have. To, I really have to put that deck online somewhere. Basically, the whole pitch was that people are communicating about brands on social, and here are the mistakes that brands are making. And basically, there was so much, such ample information available online of examples of where uh, companies are screwing up that all I actually had to do was take screenshots of things that are happening and then add some caption or information of my thoughts on why that was happening, where you had like brands double responding to the same customer and then contradicting themselves. Like the customer asks question A and it gets responses B and C. Examples where a brand got hijacked uh, because an employee quit, but he still had the root password of the Twitter account and he had a few really interesting things going out like that. So I think back then, the combination of it being so new and then a few very junior scare tactics really helped <laughs> to, to sort of like put some high level attention on what was going on. Because, of course, the social brand was sort of like the new perception of what the world thought about you. So, so you build a company off scare tactics? Pretty much at the beginning. <laughs> we kind of stopped doing that within the first six months, I think, uh, just because there's a lot more value to, to be gotten out of a relationship with a customer where you actually care about fixing their stuff rather than scaring them into buying a product that's brand new. There's so, an electoral angle there. So you mentioned that Originally, you were talking to marketing people and, and junior staff. Clearly, over time, as social media has evolved, the teams have gotten bigger, customer service has gotten involved. Can you talk to us a little bit about that transition? And, and who are you talking to today when you're talking about your product? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've gone through different verticals and different levels within the organization over the last few years. Back at the very beginning, uh, either you had the marketing team owning customer care and coming to the realization like, look, it is not our team's job to keep responding to customers who ask questions about product A, B, or C. Or they send uh, Samsung would send out a, a campaign about a new TV that they came out with and 50 people respond about their remote not working of their other TV. And so they realized, like, this is not scalable for us. We're not built to handle these conversations. What happened 99% of the time, I'm, I'm making up this number, but it's practically every single time, is that these companies started forming their own social media teams within the organization. And what they did is they basically took people from PR, from HR, from marketing, and a little, the best performance from customer care and put them in this, like, all-in-one mashup organization that sort of reported to marketing, but sort of lived in its own little bubble and then they would create like these super agents that basically could do everything and then reach into every part of the organization and answer every questions which of course wasn't scalable and it's actually very comparable to email in the early 1990s where that was also run through like one team and you had your ceo email and lotus notes and you had your sales outbound emails and your marketing emails was all in just one tool and one team handling that and then Back then, that wasn't scalable, and it was rather easy to look back at patterns of things that have happened before and just apply it to this new like social communication channel. Companies have essentially evolved quite 
interestingly, from the marketing department to sort of the all-in-one social team or that lives either under marketing still or under uh, PR to then start evolving into the contact center. Now, the evolution into the contact center has started slowly over the last two years, but is, has basically increased in pace quite heavily over the last 12 to 18 months, where I would say that Right now, 75% of our customers live in the contact center. That doesn't mean that social has moved entirely into the contact center. What, what we kind of see is that the social is no longer just a vertical within an organization, but is becoming a part and a key communication channel of specific business, basically structures within the organization. So marketing owns outbound messaging or maybe a quote-unquote engagement of like hey i love you i love you too kind of messaging where then care starts owning the actual like responding to customers when you have real issues and if you look back in the last few years like you can really see that happening on social specifically where you had a lot of brands that started creating separate help accounts that were then staffed by customer service reps and then the main sort of brand handle was managed by marketing and a lot of companies did that specifically to sort of overcome the the process and technical challenges required that were really hard to solve around that time when you just had like one inbox with every type of communication in it now i think software is getting to a point where brands can actually stop doing that and already in like the case of delta airlines uh, then you wrote about it fairly recently is that they actually moved back to one unified handle uber is doing the same thing where they created a handle for every country and then also separately for service where now it's trying to consolidate back into one handle and uh, i think that's just part of the social communication channels reaching maturity and being able to be brought under each individual department that has a need for it i'm definitely a big fan of the single handle and so i'm happy to see that happening for sure because I think it's a lot easier on customers. I've always thought it was strange that brands expected customers to know to go to a separate handle when it's not always obvious. But you touched on something else that I wanted to chat with you about, which is this idea of the customer service department now sort of taking ownership of this. And one of the things that I've seen is that with most companies, and I'm sure you have examples where this is where the opposite is true, but with most companies, the volume of social media inquiries, be they questions or complaints, is so much smaller than the telephone or email or chat that it's really hard to get an operation center's attention because you might be talking about at less than a percent of the overall volume. So when you go in there and you and you say, "Hey, we've got this great platform that can help you, you know, handle your social care much better," and you know, by the way, it's a it's a cost that you don't currently have, so it's it's all incremental. How are you getting them to think about this differently? Because I will say that I think that call centers inherently understand why social care is important, and they understand why it's important to respond to customers. It's just that volume thing that often gets in the way. And I'm just wondering what your experiences are. Yeah, I wouldn't say that the comment that it's a new cost that they have to consider is valid because either it's a mistake or not, is however you look at it. But companies have already put them in the position where they are already like talking to customers on social. So it is fairly rare that we talk with a company or a large enterprise 
and they're telling us that, hey, we don't do anything on social yet, but uh, we are considering it because our competitors are doing it or whatever, uh, can you help us? That's actually a fairly rare scenario. Quite often, it's more of like, help, we're freaking out, marketing opened this random insert new channel, and uh, now customers are asking us questions about service, how do we handle this? At the beginning, that was with social, Facebook and Twitter specifically, but now it's happening with all these messaging apps, and especially like in Asia, where we see a lot of companies that haven't just opened like Weibo and WeChat and Line and started using those channels. And then now we're trying to figure out like, look, how do we handle this? Because frankly, there aren't many, if any, players that can support the majority of those uh, international channels. So there it's more about, okay, here are are a number of challenges you're having, and this is what we typically see companies doing. And what is interesting is that even though the volumes are fairly low, there is still a thing to be said about the ROI in regards to saving money, preventing people to actually call in or use the more expensive communication channels within your contact center. However, social specific customer care still has a limited volume to date even with twitter and facebook for instance pushing customer care more aggressively lately the volumes still are fairly minimal i would say that for most of our customers it's less than two percent of their entire communications within the contact center but that just the fact that it's less than two percent for most of these companies is not necessarily a negative thing. I think companies are starting to realize that it's a leading indicator of a much larger problem or a much larger opportunity that is happening within the entire customer care space. And I keep repeating this to every C-level or VP that I meet, rarely to directors or, or people who are more in the nitty gritty of social care, but I keep repeating to companies that it's not about social care. It's not about Twitter. It's not about Facebook. Uh, Stop thinking about those channels as a new problem to solve. I think what the most important thing to realize for brands today is that customers have been going to these channels like Twitter and Facebook to sort of circumvene your internal processes. And the entire enterprise customer service model has been broken for the last few decades. I mean, 20 years ago, you could call into a company, get rerouted five different times and still not have your problem resolved. Even if you have repeated yourselves 10 times, don't even think about calling in the next time and, and then like trying to pick up on the same conversation. Like that has been a problem for the, the last 20 years. And consumers have been basically grappling towards social to circumvent that. And the the interesting thing that companies need to start realizing is that it's not about fixing Twitter or Facebook or whatever new social medium comes out. It's about realizing that Twitter, Facebook, and and the communication that that consumers are having over these channels are merely like the most prominent example of how the expectations and the behavior of the modern consumer has changed. And so social was the first wave of that. Now the whole mobile messaging explosion worldwide is the second wave of that but it's not going to stop there and it's also not about those channels it's really about like the way consumers communicate has shifted and their expectations that come along with that and it's really what it's truly about is enterprises need to start figuring out how they can change their internal operations to reduce the amount of effort that customers have to put to get issues resolved 
And that's really the bigger challenge. It's not just about Twitter or Facebook and whether or not it's 2% of volume. It's noticing that the same customers on Twitter who then reach out to you via email aren't giving you a five-page letter via email but taking a screenshot of their tweet and sending it to you your way because that's the easiest way for them to make sure that they use a channel and that you're updated. And you can already see that type of behavior in so many different ways that I think the most forward-thinking brands are starting to figure out like, okay, what does this mean for our entire contact center and the entire way we service our customers as a whole? You should write a blog post just on that, Davey. I think that would be received very well. It's some yeah. drum that Dan and I have been beating for a while. That you know, although obviously this is about social customer service, this podcast it, it's really bigger than that. You know, it's it's just this. It's a channel that's going to be evolving, and it's it's the kind of behaviour that we need to address rather than like what are we doing on Twitter, what are we doing on Facebook, what are we doing on YouTube. Yeah. That said. You threw the word messaging out there about a dozen times in the last few minutes. Got to jump on that a little bit. I think, as you said, that that was kind of the the first jump that we've had where we've gone from public-facing social networks. Now this kind of shift is, is happened, according to some people, happening according to others, into private messaging. What's your perspective on it? And then I guess either together or separately, what's Spark Central's perspective on it? And kind of do you think it's here to stay? How are you reacting to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... One thing, looking back at social, and let's take Twitter specifically as an example, is what we've already seen over the last few years, that a large amount of interactions through social media, for instance, Twitter, have already been moving from the public channels to direct messages, where four years ago, uh, which were some stats that we did with Delta Airlines, is that the majority of their interactions were public. So people talking about them, putting like the period before the ads uh, mention, and then bashing them in the hope that the, the brand would respond and start interacting with them. Now I think the core set of people that are using social for customer care already realize that brands are listening and they actually like move to DM as soon as possible and create more of like a one-on-one personal concierge level messaging experience within social channels. So that shift is already happening. On top of that, you have the entire world of people, you and me, that just use messaging on the daily. I refuse to pick up phone calls. It's really like the way we as consumers communicate today is more and more gravitating towards messaging. And brands are rather slow to adopt. There was a stat that um, Anal, who's our our, um, our head of product marketing recently threw in front of me and that said that companies today are still optimizing their contact center for a 78-year-old customer, which is my father-in-law or some people like that. Looking at the messaging channels that are exploding worldwide, I think one big challenge with that today is that you have a hyper-fragmentation of so many different communication channels, especially when you are working with or when you are a large enterprise uh, consumer-focused business like airlines, uh, banks, telcos, things like that. So even though like WhatsApp and let's say uh, Facebook Messenger are sort of like the main question marks that companies uh, ask about in the US and in most parts of the Western world, WeChat and Weibo and Kakao and Kik and all of these different messaging channels are really fragmented across the world. They're fragmented around a specific uh, customer base. I recently was uh, talking with one of my nephews at a um, event and I grabbed his phone now, the number one thing I've now learned is never take a phone from a 12-year-old kid. Uh, they, um, they don't like it. But still, I looked at the screen and I saw so many different 
icons of different messaging apps. And it's like this one kid and look, using like five, six different messaging apps. And I keep asking him like, so what are this about? Like, what do you use Facebook Messenger for? And he was like, well, that is to talk to my, my closest family and my uncle and my niece and my aunt. Oh, and then what is this messaging app for? Well, I use that for my soccer team members. Oh, and what's that messaging for? Oh, I use that to talk to the people in school. So not only are customers of big brands fragmented based on the communication channels that they use, consumers today are starting to fragment their own conversations with different target audiences or different organizations or different people across their own communication channels. So there's this proliferation of messaging that's going to be a big challenge going forward. So while what you see a lot of companies doing today is they're still applying the same ideology within an organization of software adoption as in the last 20, 30 years. I mean, what you do when you are considering adding a new channel is you do an ROI calculation. You try to figure out like, okay, how many of our new of our customers are on this communication channel? Uh, okay, we're going to start supporting this communication channel. Now we have to start doing an RFP. We have to look at so many different vendors. So some communication channels that are exploding really quickly don't even have an API yet or don't even have like players around that can properly enable you to support that at an enterprise level. And that's going to become a very big challenge for a lot of organizations. And if we keep going through the same process of looking at individual channels and whether or not to support them, then building out a process to actually buy software for it or implement it or build it themselves, then integrate it into your CRM and keep doing that, it'll be tough for large brands to continue to follow on to the, the growth of all of these communication channels around messaging. So I think from a software point of view, we're players like us and and the software platforms that we provide need to start excelling at is really trying to remove the internal process and and the internal thinking around channels and then position it more as a way like how can we make it easy for the customer and how do we enable brands to talk to customers across any channel Uh, because really it's not about the channel it's about the customer and i think dan the the blog post i'm gonna write is gonna be called like it's not about the channel it's about the customer stupid like how can we take our software and build it in a way that we can enable brands to adopt any communication channel from a messaging point of view out there as fast as possible without even having to make the consideration about whether or not there would be an ROI out there. We need to get to a point where it's all about the customer and whether that customer is talking through QQ or Viber or Skype Messenger or Facebook Messenger or SMS, uh, or some random Icelandic app that has five different users, you as a brand should have to stop thinking about whether or not you want to support this customer across that channel, but really start thinking about, like, is this person a customer? Yes. Do we care about the customers? Yes. Well, we should support them. And I think there's a big opportunity going forward is to really build a new type of software platform that removes the idea of channels away from the entire process and really start thinking about like how do we centralize this customer interaction experience across any channel out there how do we get to a point that an agent can be talking to a customer across five different channels in one conversation so basically there's the challenge for software players like us is how do we enable brands with somewhat of a software solution that can enable them to to build a great customer experience, manage the customer conversation across any communication channel out there. And agents could be talking with a customer across QQ or Viber or Skype or a random Icelandic app with five users and 
without even noticing which communication channel they're talking on. It's really about like how do we unify the customer experience, make sure that we have the context there and a customer doesn't even have to remember which communication channel they should use. They should just find you and talk to you. And that's a problem that hasn't really been solved ever since the start of IVRs. It's something that really needs to get fixed if brands want to be ready for this new wave of like consumer communication channels and the likes. So, baby, write this podcast as well. Uh, sorry, this, this blog as well. It sounds like a good one. You know, as you're saying that, a couple of things jump into my head, right? So, first of all, I love the idea of of moving away from a channel focus, right, where I always hated that that question of how many of our customers are there because I think as soon as the answer is one, if they're willing to talk to you or wanting to talk to you, technology should be scalable in a way that makes it your know, marginal incremental cost for a business, second big thing it makes me think uh, which i'm sure is kind of where your head was at even though you didn't use the word is the role that bots then can play in messaging in automating some of the more repetitive tasks that an agent might have to deal with allowing brands to scale across multiple platforms or channels putting you know the customer first in the sense that they're not waiting for, for an agent to free up so what's your guys oh again your and then spark central if it's different or the same what's your guys thoughts on bots in messaging and kind of how that's going to play out yeah, let's start with the fact that the whole bots conversation is fairly early. Companies like Facebook have made a big deal about it, but still the space is super early. We are working with a number of large enterprises kind of figuring out like what is the best customer experience we can build out of this? Because looking at social care, looking at messaging and bots as a feature on top of it, it's really about like how do we reduce the customer effort? And I have a really big beef with the way bots are currently being implemented. And I do understand that it's fairly early, but it is doing the exact opposite. Like consumers are grasping towards social and mobile messaging to circumvene your internal processes. And most bots that you see today basically replace that one-on-one personal conversation that consumers are looking for and replaces it with a modern IVR where basically you go through a list of questions, the bot doesn't understand the context, it doesn't know it when you talk off script or don't give them the exact uh, responses that are proposed to them. And just the, the customer experience around it is very bad the moment you go off script or the moment you like ask a question that it doesn't know how to handle. I had a really interesting experience recently with 1-800-Flowers where I wanted to order something and it gave me a bunch of selections that I could order flowers and I clicked on each selection and every single time it told me that they weren't available. So basically there was nothing available and it kept asking me the same question over and over again, like which other flowers would you want to order when there weren't any more options anymore? So I started talking like, like help, I don't know. Can someone help me? Life agent, human, please. And eventually like, I get uh, a different answer from the bot and the next asks me whether or not I want to talk to a real person. If so, please type in all caps, live help, which I did. Or, or live help or something in, in the same kind of phrasing, which I did. To which the bot responded again, I don't understand what you're saying and gave me more flower options. While at the same time, a live person joined the conversation with with whom the bot started interacting as well, and it just messed oh. up the entire conversation. Oh. So 
right now you can like tweet or send a Facebook message or a WeChat message or an SMS to a brand and those who respond through those channels, you could send a message that is fairly complex that has a lot of data points and you basically circumvene an IVR and you get a to a faster resolution because that's why people grasp for these channels. What they're now doing is actually turning those channels that are sort of like the last resort of a lot of consumers and turning that into like your phone system that you really don't want to talk to. So I think there's still a lot of growth to happen within the entire bot space. Some things that we are fairly interested in is like not how can we replace humans with bots. It's more about like how do we make it again like have it so that the customer has to put in a lot more effort because really it's not about customer care it's not about experience it's about the effort and zero effort creates great customer experiences so how can we use automation how can we use bots to enable a team of agents to really do great customer service at the requires low effort at scale so can bots take over certain processes or certain question sets that are super repetitive and you always have to go through can bots enable agents to suggest uh, to to like suggest auto responses to agents to really quickly start responding even faster than some what some brands are doing today how can we enable them to excel maybe even like transition certain parts into of a conversation to automations and back again and again do that in a very channel agnostic way across any communication channel across any medium and i think that's where the space will go to i think that the whole reason a lot of consumers are using these communication channels is to talk to a human being so you shouldn't be doing the exact opposite with bots davy i completely agree with you and that's my big fear with bots is that if there's a way for companies to screw it up they will and there'll be some that'll do it right and that will use bots to supplement the agent as you say or to answer you know really standard questions but there'll be lots of companies that will look at bots as a cost-saving opportunity and like you said we'll be back in ivr hell again just on Mm -hmm. social media when to your point the expectation is exactly the opposite that you're having a genuine personal conversation with a human being so i'm definitely with you there We are talking with Davey Kestens, who is the founder and CEO of Spark Central, which is a terrific customer service platform. Davey, I'm going to ask you a question that we haven't asked people before, but I'm just interested because you're a successful entrepreneur and you've worked with tons of different companies. What keeps you up at night? What are you worried about today? So at the very beginning, we're very typical things where how to scale a company, how to make sure we don't run out of money, how do we make sure we hire the right people, we build the right product. And today, we've always been a little bit ahead of the market, partially because of our ignorance is we were very focused on one specific thing because we really didn't know anything about the contact center market. Now, where we are today is that we've learned so much about the space, about how outdated it is. Like, I'm not really... concerned about any of our modern competitors in the space. What I'm most concerned about is the unwillingness of many contact centers to sort of innovate and then review how they're doing and, and look at how can we potentially do email care or um, the specific workflow or workforce management or anything differently. And I think the biggest challenge for us is we've learned so much about the contact center space and how outdated it is that 
feel that there's so much to fix and there's a big opportunity for that with bots, with messaging, with automations, with creating great channel agnostic platform. But what keeps me up at night is making sure that we uh, make the right choices going ahead and actually like continue building something that will solve a lot of problems in this industry. But I think so far we've done a pretty good job at it. Uh, I think that if companies can create effortless experiences across all of these mobile communication channels and we do things well, we can reduce the need for a large part of this outdated contact center industry. And that's pretty exciting, but it's a big challenge at the same time as well. So just to summarize, there's a lot of opportunity out there, but there's a lot of things that need to be fixed and we got to make sure that we pick our battles well. David, it was like you've just set me up for my last question, which is one we always ask guests, which is around kind of what you've learned since you've been in the space. And you, know, you just said that you've learned a ton about the contact center and the space and kind of that's evolved your thinking now. But I'd love, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's hundreds of things you could think of, maybe the top two or three things that you wish you'd known back when you started Spark Central that you think would have made your journey a little bit easier. I think one really interesting aspect is that we're still a fairly young company, and I didn't really have a good understanding of what large organizations looked like. And I'm still amazed to date that when you see a large organization, you expect them to have everything going for them or that they're pretty well set up. But what I realized is that the larger organizations you're talking to, uh, a lot the more people have very specialized roles. And... As a result, even though they're big titanics that are moving in a certain way and are growing, about specific modern topics and technology, a lot of contacts for key stakeholders within an organization actually know a lot less about the space than I thought they would. There's also like in the space, a lot of people don't practically start looking for new things like people do in the marketing department, but are really stuck up around their own IT solutions and their, their own ways of doing. So it was really interesting to learn that these large organizations definitely still have a lot to learn from players like ourselves. And that at the very beginning, it was fairly daunting walking into a meeting with a company like Volkswagen and being like, hey, I'm a small kid. What am I going to teach them? Well, right now we know like, look, we're on the, the forefront of this industry and we quite often know a lot more about the space and what the opportunities are and the challenges are than most people whose daily job it is to manage all of this within their organization. Uh, so that has been a very, very interesting learning. But we, we tried to help our customers with that, with our customer advisory board and then strong partnerships with our innovation teams. But it's still pretty neat to see what that is like. Awesome stuff from Davey Kestens, founder and CEO of Spark Central. Thank you, Davey, for being with us not once, but twice. We really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, hopefully we don't make it a third time, but uh, maybe a year from now to review how things have changed. Exactly. We would love that. And I also should thank you. We've had um, many of your clients on this show. And, you know, we always say that if companies are using platforms like yours, we know they're serious about social care, which makes them a, a definitely a good prospect for our podcast. So we definitely have enjoyed talking with a bunch of them. Anyway, that will do it for episode 42 of the Focus on Customer Service podcast. As always, we have a hashtag FOCS. If you have brands that you would like us to talk to, we'd love to talk to them and learn about what they're doing in social customer care. So until next time, for Dan Moriarty, this is Dan Gingas, and we will see you on the next Focus on Customer Service podcast. 
Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Service podcast presented by Social Media Today. Be sure to tweet your thoughts and nominations for other brands to be featured using hashtag FOCS and follow Dan and Dan on Twitter at DGingas and at I am Dan Moriarty. See you next time.